Hey folks, it's Adam Summer here for the Heartland Pod. This uh, Tuesday episode, this is a chat episode, and I wanted to just preface the conversation a little bit for some context because uh, it's Nicholas Linky who's having a chat with me. Nicholas is, of course, uh, one of the co-hosts on The Delta. Nicholas has been on the show many, many times. He has been a huge part of building the Heartland Pod, especially behind the scenes with graphics uh, and videos and things like that. But uh, Nicholas is one of those people that every time I think I can understand what he's talking about and think that I can hold a conversation with him where we're both operating on the same plane, he goes up another level, and I have to try to catch him there again. Uh, He's exceptionally smart, and he also happens to have the, the formal education paired with the actual understanding of the science And so I I thought it would be a helpful, useful thing to talk about the Omicron variant with a, you know, he's a science teacher, but I I would call Nicholas a scientist. He's also uh, steeped in in philosophy and things like that. But but really, science is the core driver, you know, in his mind. And you can sort of feel it as he's talking about the subject matter. And so I, I wanted to hear from somebody like that, somebody who is a genuine expert in that particular area. Not that he's an epidemiologist, not that he's a virologist or anything like that. He's not that type of an expert. But the ability to, you know, just understand this complex information when we're talking about, uh, you know, the, these these particles and how they actually interact with the human body and, the, you know, this deep biology stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, but biology and physics and chemistry were things that uh, look, I was probably faking it more than I was making it right in those classes. I certainly am not qualified to teach any of those things. So I figured let's bring in the teacher to help us all better understand it. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, things are a little bit better than they were when we recorded it. I doubt that's going to be the case. Uh, looks like we're going to see quite a bit of an uptick in virtual schooling. I don't think that's going to make people very happy, but it doesn't seem like we're going to have an option. We have so many teachers out, so many kids out. There's so much confusion on the way to mitigate this risk. Um, And at least here in Missouri, look, I I can't help but point to the actions of the politics, the politicians, and how they have rippled across the state. And now we're seeing the numbers go up. And I, I... I'm not saying it's direct causation because we don't have evidence that technically shows that, but the correlation is so strong that it's impossible to ignore. And so that's what I'm saying. So that's why this conversation came up. That's why I wanted to talk to Nick. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, And for those of you who uh, don't know yet, follow us on Twitter at the Heartland Pod. Check us out, heartlandpod.com. Let's get to the chat with Nick. Let's have a chat. All right, we are here for Let's Have a Chat, and this is a little bit of a throwback for folks who've been listening for a long time, uh, and I mean a long time, back to episode seven. I'll always remember it as episode seven. Uh, Nicholas Linky is here with me for a chat. Nicholas, of course, hosts, now co-hosts, with uh, his awesome wife, Christina, the Delta show that comes out every other Wednesday, and, and also just kind of whenever, but usually every other Wednesday, uh, which is sort of a, a science, family, education, catch-all uh, podcast that Nicholas has been working on and developing. But this is a chat that's specifically about 
coronavirus. And, you know, I've tried to stay away from too much coronavirus talk. I, you know, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. I think people are getting enough of the, you know, the daily case counts and the rates and the, all that stuff. And, and that's all fine information. But I wanted to, to give folks some context because of some of the things that Nicholas and I have been talking about and some things that are just happening really rapidly and sort of try to put that stuff in context with this new variant because most of what we've heard about it so far is hopefully and we think and we expect and a lot of caveats to the information. So I want to have Nicholas help us understand it with his scientific literacy, uh, you know, somebody who's a genuinely understands the science. So uh, Nicholas, man, thanks for hopping on with me. And how, how are things in your neck of the woods? Hey, Adam, how's it going with you? Uh, it is the day in, day out of wondering what's going to happen is taking its toll. Let's yeah. just say it that way. I mean, you're always wondering. I've left a couple of different times for school for appointments for my daughter mm-hmm. um, to make sure that she's taken care of. And there's been a couple scares that we've had. Everybody's negative right now. So we're doing we're doing well as far as that goes, as far as my personal family. Mm-hmm. But as you know, this thing, these things happen fast. They change very quickly. Yeah. It seems like you guys have been, and I, th- I don't think it's unique, actually, the no. amount of times in the last couple of months where you've gone, oh, let's, we got to do the testing thing. We got to see, you know, like I, I've had that experience very recently. Like it's just, you know, our Slack chat has been full of just like now this person or this spouse or this family member and everybody trying to sort out what's going on. Uh, so are you guys still in-person school right now? We are. We are still social distancing as much as we possibly can, but I am currently the only one wearing mask protection um, in my school. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm holding on to that. I'm, I'm fighting that battle as much as I possibly can. But for the most part, it's, it's, a, it's a rural school. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different opinions about how to handle this. There's a lot of different misunderstandings still, no matter what you do, sure. uh, about how people think they understand it and then kind of shrug. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. either they don't understand it completely, so it doesn't make sense and it's oversimplified and then they, they let it go. Mm-hmm. Or it's one of those things that it's that that's complete distrust. Yeah. And, and they push it aside to say, well, I don't believe you anyway. No matter if even if you convince me of the argument, I, I negate all of your premises. I'm and, just going to choose to not believe it even if I can't counter it. Right. And a lot of people are like, the facts speak for themselves. Sure. And I always have problems with that because we really need people to understand the facts and explain what the facts actually mean to put them all into a conclusion. When you actually say that like, oh, these numbers are this way, or, you know, we we have this data that can be interpreted in all kinds of different ways. And I think that's where it gets lost is that they don't understand how to construct the argument. I'm trying really hard to provide all that. But if you just throw numbers and data tables and all that kind of stuff on on a social media and expect for somebody to pick up that graph and go like, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. right. I see the numbers now. Like, that's not going to happen. Right, especially like, if there's a preconceived notion going into the conversation. It's just not, it's not going to carry much water. And and the yeah, it's data a, it's a that we're, right. <laughs> and the data too, like, you know, this has all happened so quickly and we're still, you know, we're still not even two years removed really from when folks started genuinely paying attention to this. Um, for me, it was, it was January, 2020. Uh, I started getting some articles sent to me about financial stuff. It really wasn't virus stuff. It was more like the, what was going on with the shipping stuff in China and how that was going to ripple. And, you know, we're obviously, we're still seeing all of that now, but at, you know, the early stages of this, when we didn't know the severity, we didn't really know how quickly things could go. We didn't really, you know, we, we still thought it was going to be about washing hands, right? 
at, at first. And we really didn't know. Um, people were wiping down groceries the whole bit. And so we were seeing those daily case counts because that's the only numbers we had. People really hadn't been hospitalized yet. There hadn't really been a bunch of deaths yet. We hadn't seen enough information to know anything other than today there were 1,000 cases. Today there were 3,500 cases. And so that statistic has carried on and we get we keep getting those numbers but that statistic has sort of lost meaning because of lots of different reasons right people are going to the hospital for other reasons and they're getting tested when they go they're asymptomatic but they're positive for covid and that's that's a covid case that case probably wasn't showing up 18 months ago but now it is showing up uh and likewise you know we're not getting you know in Missouri for example here where Eric Schmidt sent out his you know, not an order, but what he called an order for places to change their behavior and for schools to not have masks and all that stuff. Well, some of these county health organizations and officials stopped giving out information. So we don't even have all the information to make a complete picture for this, you know, the data that we were looking at. So how are you measuring things right now? Like, how are you making sense of how things are moving at the moment? There are so many different things that change. So I was talking to Christina about this and she had told me something that one of the parents on one of the social media groups had said that they had offered to their child, the data, the information, the numbers, the graphs, and they presented this all to their, their child. And they said, we want you to make the decision. We want you to actually entertain this in your mind, and I will let you choose whether or not you want to wear the mask and how you want to attend school in that respect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic. I think that providing the child with that opportunity to have power over themselves is great. But the question was, is these students should be making this decision. It's in their hands, and it shouldn't be the teachers pushing this on them. It shouldn't be the teachers interpreting this and showing them, demanding that they do this because it's just appealing to the teacher's authority, and the teachers shouldn't be pushing their beliefs on these kids. And that's paraphrasing, but I know that there's comments being made like that all the time. It's not a unique situation. But my question to that group of people is, Who do you think is teaching your children how to read these graphs or how to understand this information or how to build this? If you're asking us to make sure that they can understand and make conscious decisions about this and the numbers, that's what we're supposed to do. So when I say like, if I'm going to make sense of the numbers, I can look at it and be like, here's a graph. I can see the trends. I can see all that, but it changes and we get, we get details and data so quick and so fast that the numbers are so easy to skew right now. And the problem is, is that there's so much pressure on changing or influencing how those numbers are presented. All I know now, all I know is, and it may be one of those things I'm stepping away from the grandiose data, but what I know is I know how the virus works. I know the people around me and what they're experiencing. And I know the case-by-case data of how my environment at my house is going and how my community is doing because the larger broader sense of that is is that if i'm not looking at locally exactly what's happening with my sewer shed right Mm -hmm. then i'm just looking at a global situation of saying like well 
I don't know what's going on, but it's in my house. It's in my school. It's in my backyard. It's in my community. That's where I need to be looking. So those are the numbers that I want people to always pay attention to. If you're looking at wide, broad, you know, statewide numbers or whatever it is, sure. that's not going to help you make everyday decisions. Right. And right. That's, if you're in I Indiana, the positivity at. rate in New York is probably useless information for you. Right. And I know that people get lost in those numbers or people will look at numbers and they will, they will say, well, it's percentages or right. it's, and that's fine, but percentages might be 2000 people. It might be 12 people. Sure. You know, so you, I think that the raw data of local stuff, that you know the population is this and you can easily make a sense of what's going on right there is going to help you the best. And that's if you're staying in that community. If you're sure. traveling, and I highly suggest you do not do that. If you're traveling, then you got to start paying attention to those places that you're visiting because right. that's your contacts. Yeah, I, I, I realize we probably should give folks a little context. Folks who have listened to this show a long time probably know why you're the person that I wanted to talk to about this. For new, we have a a lot of new folks based on the numbers that we're seeing. Uh, our numbers are similar to COVID right now, which is a good thing for us. Uh, but um, <laughs> that's a bad joke. I'm sorry, and I apologize for that. That was in bad taste. But really, our numbers are good. So, Nicholas, uh, can you explain to the people? Just give them a quick, you know, give them the elevator. What do you do for a living, and why your opinion might carry a little bit of water here? So I went to college around the same place that Adam did and entertained a degree in biology and philosophy when I graduated with a bachelor's there. Mm-hmm. I went into uh, public education after that, after getting my master's, taught for three years, and then joined a master's program. Oh, after my master's program, I joined a PhD program and rode that out for a little bit to learn about a little bit more how education works, how to explain things, how to do that. And with that, I took a ton more science classes because that's the way Mizzou wanted to structure it. So that's how I did all of that. But over that time, I really came down to being where I wanted to process the information a little bit more, wrote a book, joined the classroom again, and said, I think the biggest influence I can help people that the biggest influence I can make is to help other people understand these concepts, then research them myself. I can go and help people formulate the arguments, understand how to communicate them to other people and disseminate disseminate the knowledge and be a vector instead of just trying to investigate more of those questions because I saw that was the biggest use of my time. Sure, sure. Best use. Less of the academic uh, laboratory science and more of the real world application of the science, I guess. Scientists can't, they have a hard time and they're, they're trying to get better at it, but they have a difficult time trying to get airtime and trying mm-hmm. to also get people that will ask the right questions and explain it properly without trying to catch them on a small little tidbit. So sure. my point is, is just to make sure that, that they have a voice. And I don't necessarily say that I have to be all their voices. It's just a simplified interpretation. I say most of the time to people like oversimplification is lying, but I'm mm-hmm. trying my hardest to make the lie as useful as possible so that, sure. so that it makes it. it that's what it is. Anything is more complicated if you keep digging, but right. it, that doesn't help us survive if we keep digging forever. Right. Yeah. The truth is always a little bit messy. Well, speaking yes. of the truth, let me, let me sure. give Go some, ahead. some, some headlines here. So we are recording this on Thursday, January 13th. This is going to likely come out uh, on the Tuesday afterwards. So it's going to be some, some gap here in what's going on right now versus what's going on uh, while, you know, while we're recording versus what's going on while you're listening to this. So, sort of a, a little time capsule to see what happens in four days, right, with this stuff. Or right. maybe, you know, it could be sooner. If something crazy happened, we may drop this sooner. But probably it's like a four-day window here to sort of compare. So 
First of all, we have two Supreme Court cases that came down today. Uh, one that basically said OSHA does not have the ability to enforce the vaccine mandate uh, at the federal level. So there's that one. And then that was paired with the one that you won't hear as much about, which is that there is authority for certain healthcare places. And specifically, it's really about nursing homes is really the point of this, that the nursing homes can enforce vaccine mandates. So those two things happen. Uh, really quick run through of some uh, some headlines. So this is from New York. This is a headline from an ABC affiliate in New York that says, uh, COVID Omicron news variant may be headed for a rapid drop in U.S. Then if you jump over to the New York Times, uh, COVID news, Omicron causes fewer and shorter hospitalizations, study shows. So there's that. So, okay, sounds pretty nice. Now we're, we're still in the New York Times. COVID news, Trump says those who are mum on booster status are gutless. Uh, after he got booed, of course, for admitting that he had three shots. Then we have uh, from the Sacramento Bee, so this is out of California, COVID updates, California cases surpass winter 2020 surge. When will state near Omicron peak? So in, in New York, they're pretty sure it's over. In California, they don't know if they've hit the peak. In Missouri, this is from the Missouri Independent headline, uh, on this is on January 13th, Missouri hits new monthly record for COVID cases as Omicron variant spreads. And that's where my tasteless joke came from, because we have also hit a new monthly uh, uh, record, and it's only January 13th. And Missouri has hit a new monthly record, and it's only the 13th day of the month. And then uh, KY3, uh, this this is a, an affiliate uh, out of, it appears to be, uh, Kentucky, no, I'm sorry, Arkansas. Uh, schools in Arkansas and Missouri close amid Omicron surge. Uh, and I can say firsthand, today I got the text message from uh, my wife, who is a, a, in education, and she got the email that said that, the, that everybody was supposed to consider uh, that they were going to be having some virtual learning days, uh, you know, to start preparing for that. And a couple of hours later, the school district put out the announcement that Friday the 14th, the next day, would be a virtual learning day. Um, within a couple of hours, Gosh. this happened. So, and, you know, everybody's dealing with this crazy. So I wanted to kind of put that context on this conversation. And then we, we you and I had been talking in the Slack chat some, and you gave me this phrase, and I want to start there with unpacking it. Omicron's Necklet or Omicron. I, I've been saying Omicron. You can correct. You, you, you're going to know those Greek letters better than it I It won't am. matter in three weeks anyway. <laughs> we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> Omicron's necklace. Um, what is? What are you talking about? This isn't like a symptom or something. This is something different than that. So what does that mean? Why do we need to understand that? So it's, it's an analogy, right? Or metaphor, however you want to pitch this as far as people that pick me apart with English terminology. It's a cogent simile. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> obviously, I'm science, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, but the the point is, is that my, my interpretation of how this works out all comes down to a reference to the way that these spike proteins, these infamous spike proteins are made. 
Hey, just a quick break to remind you, you can check us out on Twitter at the Heartland Pod on Facebook the same way. You can email us heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com if you have a guest idea or would like to be a guest on the show for whatever reason. You can also find us heartlandpod.com. There you can find a link for Listen Now to see links to all of our shows. You can also find us, of course, everywhere the podcasts are played. If you're listening to it now, then you've figured that part out, of course. And on heartlandpod.com, you can find the link to our Patreon. You can sign up and you can be a podhead or a podgressive today and help us support this effort to change the conversation. And now back to Nicholas. All of these viruses have these keys that they've talked about hanging off the side of them as far as these viruses that, that how they interact and get inside your cells. Okay. Right, right. How I want to interpret that right now is think of it more like a necklace. Think about it like you took off a, took off a necklace and you set it down on your dresser, right? And you pick it back up and it's all wadded up and turned up and it's all kinked up on itself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's all this tangled mess. But imagine every single time that you picked it up, it formed that shape reliably. Like it always formed that shape. Right. And that's because that the actual way that this virus's spike protein is expressed is it's a long chain of amino acids that all link together. And whenever they have that, they link back on one another and fit together to make a shape. Okay. Okay. So that's the shape that I'm actually talking about. And it actually is a chain. And when you have that, that kind of formulates the key. Here's the problem with that. Omicron has 50 different mutations in the gene that makes that key, that makes that necklace, that makes that spike protein. I'm going to pump the brakes. Sure. If 50 seems like a very large number. It is. It is. Before that, they had like 20. So we're talking 50 and like over 20 of them are only in the place where our antibodies find the COVID, like find Omicron. Like that's how we're actually looking at this right now. So the key is changing significantly. So Omicron is one of those things that I'm looking at and saying, when you fold that necklace back onto itself and you make it into this specific shape, it works and it Mm -hmm. attacks a different part of us now. But the thing is, is that that key is changing so much that we don't know if the vaccines that we've been working so hard to keep up with is just going to continue to have to be changed to keep up with something that is now not 20 not 20 different places, but 50 different places. And those changes wow. are so significant that we don't know where it's going now. And I, and I, and I don't, it's one of those things that I, I teeter totter back and forth on whether or not it's this, you know, passionate, oh my gosh, sound the alarms. But at the same time, we don't recognize how outpaced we are. Mm-hmm. We are significantly outpaced with the science that we're trying to keep up with, with the news that we're trying to keep up with, with the policy that we're trying to keep up with, all of these different things. We are way outpaced by biology. Evolution is whooping us. And there is no other way that we can do it unless we get on ourselves. And wow. So that that's that's my concern is that our our antibodies that we've gotten through the vaccine are no longer going to be useful because it can mutate that quickly. And to be, to be just, just to be clear in like you, 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 you put it in there, but you're not saying, I think the vaccine is now going to be ineffective. You're saying we now know that there are more chances that what comes next could be more complicated to the point that it could cause a problem. 
Yeah, l- let me say it this way. You're, let's just say we're going to war, right? Okay. So I start giving you certain tools to be able to ha- go to war with, right? Mm-hmm. You, start, you start naming off all of these different weapons that I can get, right? right? I don't just say I'm not going to have an armory at all because I don't think that the neck, I don't think that the neck, sorry. Right. I'm not going to have an armory at all because I think the next invader is going to be able to overcome my gun, right? Right, so right, they're right, going right. to gonna bring something else. So I'm not going to have that. I need to have as much armory as possible. I need to have as big a stockpile as possible. Having the vaccines, getting the boosters, continuing to do this work is necessary. It always is necessary. Okay. It's keeping up with it and it's not letting it slide. I am no, nowhere close to saying the vaccine is inefficient and that you shouldn't get it because it's useless. I'm saying the exact opposite of that. Okay, okay. So it, Sorry, it, I just got... That's a very that's a very good distinction to make from what I yeah, was saying. Yeah, that's I just wanted to make that clear um because I just, it, it can get lost I think in talking about the the science that could be versus the science that is and and making sure that we're we're keeping that distinction clear. So I'm to and I'm going to oversimplify we, we you know we warned against the oversimplification but to put this in terms of uh, a really simple version for me What's happening with Omicron in my head, how I understand it, how it makes sense to me is it's like uh, how every so often when you sign into like your bank account, it says your password has expired. You need a new password. And it seems like every single time that happens, there's a new rule that I have to follow to make the password longer, more complicated, an extra care, you know, extra special character or something like that. And you can't use the one you've used before and probably not the one you've used two times before. And so that change is, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it just occurs and and it has to be. And then it's necessarily more complicated than the last one. And the last one, you know, maybe maybe it helps me remember the new one, but it can't be the same. Well, yeah. And let's and let's keep that. Let's keep that going from the password standpoint, because think about it like we don't have just one password that we keep everywhere. We've got a million different accounts that we probably keep, whether it be Netflix bank accounts, and you try to keep make sure that your Twitter account doesn't match your Instagram account, no matter how much you want everything to be the same. But the thing is this, all the variants are all of those accounts. Mm -hmm. So still Mm -hmm. having all those passwords can get you, I don't know, into, but actually get you around and make sure that you don't get that variant. You don't get that account's version of the virus because you have the right password to stop it. But as far as that goes, you're always signing up for new accounts and having to create new passwords to keep it from all screwing you over because that's what's really going on. You need all of that. And the thing is this, with those passwords, you do have to make them more complicated. They do have to get around new barriers. You've got to become new strategic ways to be able to beat this thing. And the problem is, is that we got really lucky the first time. Like, I don't think people understand that. We got really lucky figuring out how to get the vaccine as fast as we get. We right. did. We had a lot of technology built up. We had a lot of experience and we had a ton of money to, to be able to pull mm-hmm. this off. Mm-hmm. And we did it. And then people go, man, I don't really No, I don't think so. I don't think right. we need that right now. It happened too fast. Really don't. And, and the thing is this, now we won't have that. We won't right. have the money. We won't have the time and we possibly won't have the luck. So if that happens and we get all the other, all the other letters of the Greek alphabet, Sure. What do you want to do? Sure. What do you want to do? So, and that's what I'm asking, like almost the listeners, what do you want to do? Yeah. Like, do you want to play that game? <laughs> Again, to oversimplify things and just to add a little bit of levity here, 
the next vaccine I get, I'm going to also have to click on all the pictures that have stoplights in them. <laughs> yes. Yes. The little one all that right. says, like, I'm not a robot. And you're right. like, no, come on, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the so, one. That's, so that's what's coming. Yes. Uh, so the next thing that you dropped in the Slack chat. So this is what happens behind the scenes is we have this Slack chat and we have all these different channels. And then sometimes I'll just get these messages from Nicholas. And they're just mind blowing. <laughs> and he dropped one today that did that. So lungs, trees. Explain, unpack. Why did you give me that? Okay. So it's another. What did you call this? What's the actual proper terms for these things that uh, I come up with? Well, I called it a cogent simile, mostly because I'm just there's more of a joke than anything. But okay. it's a simile. It's like a lungs. Trees are like lungs. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, so that's a simile. Yeah. So when I look at how they're structured even, right? I mean, you take a tree, flip it upside down. That's how our lungs lungs branch out into the two sides, right? You have the bronchioles and all that kind of stuff. And you go down from like the trunk, right? And then it branches out into the two sides. And when you get down into the bottoms where the lungs really do their business as far as gas exchange between the blood vessels and the outside environment, right? So you can move the oxygen in, the carbon dioxide out, taking you back to middle school or whatever it is right that type of thing the infection or a school of board meeting right now i hope they, so a lot of exp- explanation of carbon dioxide emission is happening at school board meetings anyway it, sorry okay dear goodness <laughs> in the wrong place um so this um this trunk that actually comes down in, in the very beginning and the initial branches that come off that's where omicron is actually hiding out right now That's where it's actually doing its business and it's not deeper down. So all the previous variants and all of the problems that we were having before when it was like super serious and people were being hospitalized and dying and now people are like, oh, Omicron isn't so bad. It's just the flu. Okay, that's fair because it's affecting the trunk and the upper branches. Okay. When it starts moving down into the leaves again, the way that it was fatal earlier in the years right whenever that was happening and it was killing off the leaves of the tree where those little pockets those little sacks are that are wrapped in blood vessels where that happens right you start okay. losing leaves that's where you get fatal because those cells start dying and infections that's in and once you get infection in there that's what's going to do you in the virus is like people say oh they're not di- they didn't die of covid they died of pneumonia you're right if you right. want to say it that way, because what really happened was is something else came in and decimated the entire landscape. Right. Somebody else moved in and said, I won. Okay. Right. Well, you didn't win the war. You just came in and planted a flag on the salted earth. That's really what you did. So in my opinion, these leaves structures that we're worried about, that everybody is, that I'm worried about, not everybody, that I'm worried about are what's being not consumed, not being destroyed by Omicron. Okay. It's actually living up on top of the, the top trunk and the initial branches. But if it mutates again, if it goes backwards, which it can do, just because it's moving forward and becoming more and more complicated passwords, you still have to know that password. So it could slide back and change a couple different other things and say, oh, by the way, I was up in the top trunks or I was up in the trunk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move back down and be in the leaves. Mm-hmm. And once it moves back down to those leaves, now it's fatal again. It's mm-hmm. this balance between being 
virulent, which is, means that how con- contagious, how infectious it is, right. and actually how morbid it is or how mortality rate that it actually consumes us with. Right. And that's my concern is that it's going to not only go, hey, I'm going to change this necklace around, rearrange a couple things and make it me hard to find. It's going to say, and by the way, same time, I'm going to move down to the leaves and make this really, really bad for everybody. Mm. And it's going to strike that balance in some way. It's going to be like, hey, I'm super contagious right now, but I don't hurt you so bad. And right. then it's going to be like, by the way, I'm contagious and I'm going to hurt you real bad. And right. that day, I don't want to see that come. But if we keep playing this game the way we are, it's going to, it's going to find a way. It's, it's Jurassic Park. We made that joke right. in the Delta. Right. So many times, life will yeah. find a way. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. <laughs> and it, because that is, you know, that's been the whole thing with Omicron from, from the, the time it came out was, Oh, we think it may be, you know, it may spread faster, but it won't be as bad. It's more infectious, but it's less harsh. It doesn't do as bad of things, but it's going to spread faster. And we're obviously right now, numbers-wise, I mean, again, we, you know, it's hard to put an exact number on what's happening, but wow, right? It's 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 spreading like wildfire at this point in time. Um, and yet, you know, we keep hearing this, well, but it's not as bad, it's not as bad, it's not as bad. But like, you know, the CEO of Cox Health out of Springfield, Missouri, um, he's absolutely sounding the alarm. I mean, big time sounding the alarm. And like here in Missouri, you know, Governor Parson ended the uh, the emergency order. Well, one of the things that does is the emergency order allows out-of-state healthcare workers uh, to come and, and provide services in your state without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. You get rid of the emergency order and the hoops can go back into place. And so that's one thing that it does is it cuts down on the ability to have that surge, you know, when you have the virus surge to have the the healthcare worker surge as well to match that location. So there's that part of it. Um, but it's it just seems like, I don't know, the way you're describing it, it's almost like jazz music where like there's a melody <laughs> and then there's all these variations. And then like, you know, for folks who listen to a lot of jazz, I, I used to play jazz and I, I love it. There's a point in a jazz song where, you know, a lot of folks would just say, this is gobbledygook. But people who are deep in music theory and love jazz will go, no, don't you hear the melody? Like, it's still there. They're just way off of the melody right now. And so it's harder to find the melody. But just wait a second, and there it is again, right? Right. And they come back to it, and they and they finish out on that nice, clean melody. And that's sort of what you're describing with the viruses. Yeah, right now we're deep in the jazz solo, and it's crazy, and it seems weird, and it doesn't seem like it's as effective as the original melody. But the melody's there, and it hasn't right. gone anywhere. Yeah, I, lo- I love I love the jazz metaphor because it is, or whatever. The I love that whole idea because it really is. It sounds beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It is this very beautiful variation upon variation. It's layered, and it can go any direction, mm-hmm. and then it always finds that groove again. And you're like, yes, jazz is beautiful. And then you find out that Trent Reznor wrote the soundtrack for Soul, and you go, <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> he did. It's a great movie. It's great. It's got a lot of good jazz in it, too. That's, yeah. that's a good example. That's a good example, yeah. And if people don't know who Trent Reznor is, you know what? Let's leave that one. Google it. And Google why it. why it's interesting that Trent Reznor wrote the soundtrack for the movie Soul, which is about jazz. Google it. Uh, so let, let's move on to the next one. This was kind of a three-pack of things you dropped. So political playgrounds. Um, 
you know, we talked about a little bit that Omicron, it's going crazy. Schools are having trouble. Some schools are shutting down. Some schools are not. Um, What the hell? Yeah. So we made a joke a long time ago. And we, we revisited that joke whenever I was in quarantine. We talked mm-hmm. about my son licking the, the trophy case, right? right and like, right, always right. bring back diseases and stuff like that. And everybody's well aware that preschools and schools are Petri dishes. It's said yeah. as a joke all the time. And it's like right. a little lab that cooks up stuff. Mm-hmm. So well, how I think of it is, is that Omicron replicates extremely quickly. It, it, does its job very, very fast. It mm-hmm. transfers itself, but it also is just very efficient. Um, in that efficiency comes mistakes. And those True. mistakes and mutations accumulate, and that provides the raw materials for us to find new variants. Okay. The thing is this. If you're transferring this between a bunch of different little Petri dishes, reinfecting them, letting their little immune systems try to work themselves out against this new variant, it applies all these different random selective pressures. Sure. And none of them are wearing masks. And all of them are playing on the playground, especially without masks, mm-hmm. running around, huffing and puffing, doing all the stuff that kids do and sitting right next to each other and not doing any of the mitigation strategies that we know that we could ask them to do. Right. My daughter bragging on her for a second, the same one that had MISC, Evangelina. She today told me she came home and she said, I got all the kids in my class to wear a mask. Wow. I said, that's awesome. We have teachers in her school out. We have kids in her class out. Yeah. And she is pushing forward this agenda to say, listen, we can stay here if you guys please just wear a mask. Yeah. And they did. Kids will do this. Right. They're not fighting this battle. It's other people fighting this battle to say that these freedoms are being infringed upon. But those little kids have immune system. They just want to go to school, man. They just want to see their friends. They They just want to go to school. They want to do their worksheets. They want to read the books. They want to, they want to do all of those things. And it is, it is such a ridiculous thing because the politics of it, you know, it, we we kept getting this message of masks don't work, masks don't work, masks don't work. It's still uh, there. There's yeah. a ton of data that shows that it does it does help, and it's like these. It's like there's this stance that like if the if the vaccine doesn't completely make COVID stop, then it's no good and it's ineffective. If masks don't make it so that nobody can get infected with COVID ever, then it's no good and it's ineffective. And it's it's the difference between you know it's like playing a a video game where you can add armor to yourself and it makes you, you know, yeah, it doesn't make you immune to damage, but it adds a layer of protection, it adds a layer of protection. And the more layers of protection you have, you know, if you've got the the mask plus all of the vaccinations plus the social distancing, the likelihood of infection drops way down. The likelihood of severe spread and quick spread drops way down, right? The likelihood of severe cases if people do get infected, because of the vaccine on the back end drops down, like all of those things get better. It doesn't mean it's gone. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean the virus can't spread. It means it's much, much harder for the virus to spread. It means it's much more difficult for the virus to spread. And instead what you're talking about, and you know, I was thinking about the virus going very quickly and having all these chances to have these different, you know, versions happen. 
uh, as opposed to, you know, most of us have probably cut vegetables before. And, you know, think of the difference of having, you know, one carrot and a knife and that's all you have to cut. And you just very carefully and meticulously cut that carrot into these perfect uniform pieces for, you know, whatever you're making. Or you have 50 carrots and you need to cut them all and you have the exact same amount of time as you had for that one carrot. You're not going to get uniform chunks. You're going to get all kinds of stuff. You're going to have different sizes, some too small, some too big. And you're going to wind up with all these different things that change the thing that you're cooking because of the size. You know, some of the carrots will be more done than the other ones. Some of them will be less done than the other ones. And so it's going to change the nature of that. And it sounds like that's kind of what the virus itself would do. And then it's all politicized as well on top of that. So we can't even have like the discussion you and I are having. We're able to have this discussion because we're not having a political discussion right now. Right. Right. And and the carrots is a great thing to think of as far as because I love to cook, too. And the way that I think of how these mutations accumulate and the way that we put these rules down and the way that we're actually directing all this is targeting like it goes back to they call that in biology the red queen hypothesis yeah, ex- um, explain that because you and i have, i you and i have talked about this uh <laughs> and uh, this is something that i know you are passionate about so give that to us yeah no I, and we'll we'll hit it and we do it i did it with christina a long time ago yeah and she actually read the passage but it is the armor thing and the thing is is that the red queen is from lua um through the looking glass, but right? It's Lewis one of those Carroll, things yeah. that you keep running through as fast as you possibly can, just to stay in the same spot. That's right. it. Just to keep up, you have to run as hard and as fast as you can. Right. And the world keeps changing. It all keeps changing. And all we can do is just keep throwing on the new armor. And that's really what the thing says is that we're all in a battle with one another to where my armor, you're going to come with a weapon. And then I come with more armor and then you come with another weapon and over and over again. That is the battle we're locked in right now. And the problem is this, the playground that we're really talking about is where there are, there are people in politics right now that are playing extremely dangerous game with children. They're using them to be able to figure out how to do politics. Right. Right. And I don't mean it from the standpoint as let's just play this game so I can get power. I mean that these kids will create all kinds of variants of these carrots over and over again, and they will just spread it like wildfire, even if it's not attacking their lungs, even if it's not down in those leaves, even if it's not all really, really that morbidity. Like mm-hmm. if there's no real mortality rate in it, but we're getting all these variants from all this virulence of it being spread around, that is going to produce a situation to where we can start having schools be compromised more and more and more. Yeah. My biggest we're concern seeing it right now, I mean, it's a cascading failure right now. It is. And, and I think, and we've talked about this a little bit and I think that, I mean, I think about this stuff a lot and I know that there's people that think about it harder and longer and are smarter than me and have money to make things happen. So I can't be the only one that says, this could happen. Let's maybe not do this thing. Right. And then there's other people that say, let's do this thing. Yeah. And that's what really concerns me because what's really in my mind going on is that a wise man <laughs> once told me that the thing that they are scared of the most is participation. <laughs> and participation requires knowledge and hope. 
Yeah. And they are targeting both those things simultaneously. Yeah. Well, let's close it with this quick quote. Now here, you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. There you go. Red Queen, the Red Queen hypothesis, similes, metaphors, COVID schools. Hopefully, as you're listening to this, things are maybe in four days, things will be way better. Let's hope. Let's let's throw that hope out there into the world. And if not, we need to start writing twice as fast. There you go. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com, online with heartlandpod.com, subscribe, and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.